Sipping on some 40s, yeah, yeah. Talking about the 40s, oh yeah. His 40s are 40s, oh yeah, oh yeah. Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of 40s on 40s. I'm Seth. I'm Josh. And uh, today we are actually going to count down our favorite and least favorite of the first 40 songs that we have gone over on this podcast. Uh, it's a special celebratory episode. You know, we got through our first ten episodes, eleven episodes now, and um, we're gonna we're gonna go over some of the best and worst of what we've heard here from two guys that honestly don't really listen to a lot of top forties until you know eleven weeks ago. Yeah. So this is this is a celebration. <laughs> the celebration of us having covered for a brief period of time the top forty songs. Exactly 40 songs. Yes. And deciding what is our five favorite and five least favorite of the uh, crop that we had to work with. Yes. Now, um, I know that this was a fairly difficult uh, struggle for me, uh, especially, you know, when it got down to the nitty gritty. I think there were a lot of songs that I felt were pretty much in the middle of the road, and so finding the favorites and least favorites... You know they they were able to be spread out, but uh, it took some it took some research, it took some time. You know, so I'm I'm excited to see what um, what we have here tonight. Yeah, me too. Uh, in the meantime, Josh, you want to describe what we're drinking tonight? So uh, to celebrate, as I mentioned earlier, we have decided to switch things up a little bit and get a uh, champagne. Ooh yeah! So this is Andre. The Cal- cl- California champagne, the classic jam, signature uh, collection. I lo- I like how they try to make it fancy, fresh with notes of pear and lemon. <laughs> Is that so? Some of us uh, we enjoy the finer subtleties of citrus. That's right. Well, let's uh let's crack this open, see what we got here. <laughs> <laughs> as we as as I say, literally. I was going to say, as we say, to try to make you complicit, but it's basically just me at this point, so. Oh, why is why is the outer wrap so, like, it's like getting destroyed in my in my hands. It's like disintegrating. It's kind of weird. Um, we also, we also um, have very fancy gold, <laughs> gold-rimmed glasses yes. to drink. Yes. Champagne. It's very fancy. I'll probably stick my pinky out. As I sip from the <laughs> I wish that I could record that just so I could, so that I could hold you to that, Josh. Okay. Oh, wait, we, there's one other very important note about this special episode. Oh, yeah, what's that? We're not sitting in my car. We are sitting in Seth's car. Today. That's true. We are sitting in my, uh, my van. It is actually, I'm about to, I'm about to trade it in for, a. Another car. This van has done me a good service over the years, but now it is time to give it a proper send off. <laughs> have it be on this podcast. Uh, so I wonder if the sound is actually going to sound different. I feel like it's probably going to be fine, right? Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Don't think I'm going to put my eye out with this. Let's see what happens. Uh, wait for it. Hey! Yay. Insert New Year's music here. And there was much rejoicing. What? Who? Who even did the New Year's music for 2017? I don't even remember. I have no idea. Ooh, look at that! Look at that fizz. There's a nice healthy fizz going on. Nice healthy fizz. Um, I really hope that comes through in the audio. All the fizz. That's oh, okay. I got a little excited there. 
that looks like in mine. It's a celebration. I just, you know, got a little hyped. Okay. Now tell me, Josh, if you can taste the subtle the subtle notes of citrus and, and lemon in this. Alright, so, so cheers. Cheers, bud. I can taste um just a note of pear and lemon. Just a note. Yeah, like a maybe a quarter note. Note. It's like it's like a quarter note on like uh, on like a for apple. Mm-hmm. It's a fruit. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, now that we got our bubbly here, um, let us let us go through. We're gonna start things off. Uh, we're gonna start on a little bit of a sour note here. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna, we want it, well, it's more like we want to end on a high note, so we're gonna start off with counting down our worst of the top 40 (laughs) as we have recorded so far on this podcast. So, Josh, would you like to, oh, the way we're gonna do this, by the way, is that we're gonna alternate. We were gonna do, we were gonna do Seth's bottom five, Josh's bottom five, but we decided that we like to alternate instead of just yakking for, like, a half hour straight. Yeah. So we're gonna mix it up a little bit. So, um, Josh, you want me to go first, or you want to go first? Um, I guess I'll go first. I'm a little nervous, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try. So. Hey, you're gonna do great. <laughs> so we're going. We're doing the t- the top five of the worst, and we're starting with the fifth worst. Yes. So we're we're building up to the worst. Correct. So. That is correct. So this would be <clears throat> your your fifth, fifth worst. worst. Yeah. Yes. So, Number five is Perfect by Ed Sheeran. <laughs> five is perfect, okay. Okay. Um, How do you I, feel about I will that describe song? it a little bit. Um, okay. So I think, I felt like, okay, his voice, he does a lot of tricks to sound emotional and sincere. <laughs> okay. Like certain vibrato or like breathiness or like trailing off in certain vocal phrases mm-hmm. I describe them as tricks because it's supposed to sound emotional and sincere but it doesn't strike me as either okay it just it seems very uh, disingenuous um, the chords and the vocal melodies and the runs reminded me of like 90s R&B sort of but it's like right. I don't it's like 90s R&B is way better <laughs> it's, like, it's like a very it's right. like a you know, poor man's 90s R&B <laughs> in regard to that. Um, okay. It's, overall, I would say that the song is so vanilla. Right. It's so vanilla that it almost makes me sick. <laughs> but... <laughs> Didn't we use that, uh, but, that, that metaphor <laughs> in an earlier episode? We did. Okay. So vanilla, it almost makes me sick. But thankfully... It puts me to sleep before it. I otherwise would vomit. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's brutal. I would say just leave it. Leave it as background okay. plastic music for okay. plastic malls and plastic products. Sounds fair enough. So it's not. It's it gets the highest on the worst because the themes of it are nice and sweet. It's okay. just a love song. Right. And and it's really the only complaint is that it's like plastic insincere, like, overly sweet background elevator music, you know? Okay. So... That's fair. It wasn't offensive, it was just, you know, there you go. Okay. That's perfect. Cool. That's just... That's perfect, man. Um, so... 
my uh, counting down <clears throat> fifth worst, my number five for the worst top 40 songs we've done is uh, What Lovers Do by Maroon 5 <laughs> featuring SZA. Um, it is just, it's, if you want to talk plastic, uh, Adam Levine's vocals on this song are the epitome of auto-tuned hellscape. Um, it is a fucking mastery of what happens when you take a, the human voice, run it through a machine like a fucking meat grinder, and you just get this perfect streamlined product out the other end that is made with like maybe 90% artificial ingredients and maybe like 5% actual fat. Um, the other 5% being uh, the guest feature, which is SZA, who is criminally underused, sings probably the most basic, straightforward echoing of Adam Levine's Hey Hey Now Say Say Baby <laughs> in a way that, that just completely, uh, to me, uh, underuses what she is capable of. And um, just... It's funny because I was going to put this as my honorable mention, but I listened to it again, oh. and him just coming in with the hey hey's at the beginning was just too egregious. Yeah. It just it just insulted my intelligence a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. And just and when it got to the chorus, I was like maybe I can I can just lean back. But no, the chorus, every time you think it's going to be fine, he throws in an extra like and you're like, God damn it, dude. There's no time to rest. It's just all Adam Levine being like, look how cool I am. But he's just like a sex robot. And right. he has no soul or heart in his singing. Um, also, that being said, the production on it, super bland and average. Sounds like any other EDM song that you would hear from any other year. Um, super forgettable. Yeah. Super not good. Yeah. Um, but still passable as background club music which is why it's in the number five spot okay so that's that was my number five okay um so my number four is also what lovers do oh okay not also because that's your fifth but right. also is in the same song but you thought it was um, worse i thought it was a little worse yeah okay. i i can't add too much i would just say it was very simple bland monotonous Especially right. lyrically, it's like so, oh yeah, the lyrics are so vapid. It's like almost 80, non-existent. Yeah, eighty percent of it is say 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 hey hey now baby, we want to do what we'll lovers do, and then the verses are just just listen to the song. You, you'll, uh, <laughs> you'll understand what we're talking about. Um, I totally agree. I love calling it sounds like a sex bot. It's literally it sounds like there's. I don't know if Adam Levine is capable of expressing emotion through sing singing anymore. I don't know if it's just it's hard the to say, man. I don't know if it's just all the effects or just him being him processing his uh, voice through so many channels of like affectedness and. Uh, let me just stop there. I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> I mean, the main problem is you just. I don't believe a word he's singing. Right. It's like with any good actor or singer or those kind of art forms. Number one, you've got to believe the guys. You gotta believe they mean what they're saying or doing, and I don't believe a cent of it. It's just like it's it's standard Muzak to me. And, and the, then uh, and it's, the, the thing yeah. that I'll add to that is that um, I I also can't believe a single word he's saying because he's only saying about eight words total in the song. Right. So that's okay, right. <laughs> um, I get the last note I had was it literally sounds like it was created with the intention 
of turning sound waves into pennies. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's all I can say. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally accurate. Completely agree. Um, well, there you go. So my number four um, on the bottom was Bank Account uh, by 21 Savage. Uh. Um, literally <laughs> sounded like some high dude rolled into his friend's Fruity Loop <laughs> account and was like, let me just lay down this beat. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same when we first reviewed this song I thought the guitar notes sounded sounded interesting and and kind of emotive which I still agree with but the unreal rattling of the bass no matter in what format I listen to completely rides over and steamrolls any any kind of subtlety that that guitar line had uh on top of that, you have 21 Savage's vocal delivery, which is literally a dude that sounds so high that it sounds like he just discovered that ow is the opposite of wow, and he can't get over it, and he has to use it in every single... If you even listen to the ad-libs and the backgrounds for the pre-chorus, which is when his vocals take an unexpectedly horrendous turn into the world of autotune... Uh, and you hear the owls and the wows in the background of the fucking song. It's beautiful. It's it's just a beautiful calamity of boring vocals, overwhelming 808, and just completely flatline energy. Um, the, I mean, the lyrical content is almost non-existent at this point. It's pretty much straightforward. Uh, you know, he's got racks. That's great good for him but for me uh i didn't really feel like it was a million dollar song it felt like it was like a two dollar song that you fucking threw up on uh on like myspace not even Bandcamp or soundcloud like like myspace circa 2006 you know so that was how i felt about that one shout out to myspace shout out to myspace um Okay, so that was your number four. That was my four, correct. So my number three okay. is Gucci Gang. Wow, this is your number three. Yeah. I'm surprised. I thought uh, it was going to be lower. No, it's... Well, okay, here's here's why, okay? Okay. So there's just senseless... Going on. <laughs> yes, there was. There is... There's probably a hundred of frames of Gucci Gang. <laughs> Um, I didn't count them, but probably. I would, I would describe the lyrics as uh, the opposite of thoughtful. That's a nice way to put it. Very typical selfish and demeaning lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck a bitch, forget her. Right. Her name, I mean. Um, it's glorifying drug use and greed, which I'm not so fond of. Um, it's also typically in certain rap spheres associating self-worth to money. Right. And it's belittling others who don't have money, bragging about how they waste their money on small items that cost other people's full monthly rents. Right. Um, I, it's not lower because of the, I, the one thing I can say for it is it's so ridiculous I, I can I can laugh at it sometimes. Okay. It's like it's not the point where it's like wow this is bad and it's just like no I can't even laugh I can actually laugh at it. Okay. Um, I really don't want to get into the music because there's literally nothing I can say about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's yeah I'll just I'm just gonna leave it there. Okay. That's that's Gucci Gang number three. Okay, Gucci Gang number three for Josh. Uh, my number three was I Get the Bag 
which was uh, Gucci Mane featuring Migos. Um, holy shit, this song was really hard to listen to sober. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Because um, I, I listened to all these songs when I was sober, which was a mistake. I can tell you that right now. And um, originally I was gonna put I Get the Bag as my honorary mention, um, along with What Lovers Do. Those were like the two. But the more I listened to it, the more I realized that the, that some of the things that I hated the most about the current trends in hip-hop were so prominent in this song that I couldn't ignore them. Um, just the way that the, the Migos flow is now a thing with the triplets, like, that is exemplified... Before I said that I thought that it was noteworthy because it took skill to do, but the fact that it's the same rhythm in every single refrain in every chorus, it just it just dulls your senses the more you listen to it. Um, on top of that, the beat is completely forgettable. Um, it's well produced, but completely, you know, doesn't register for me after. I still don't remember what this song sounds like, even after I listened to it maybe two hours ago. I can't remember what it sounds like. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same as you. And Looking at my songs, I have the same thought. Yeah, and um, the other thing, too, the thing that actually brought this so high up on my worst list uh, is literally the ad-libs. The ad-libs are so unbearable in this song and the reason why is because when ad-libs happen in most of the other songs that we listen to with a couple exceptions that I'll get into um, the ad-libs are mixed at the same level as the as the the main vocals in each verse or chorus and when they're mixed so high it's exhausting to listen to like it's exhausting to hear certain things just reflected back at you certain people within Migos had you know different mixes more auto-tune in their voices and that made the, the ad-libs even more unbearable to listen to um, despite the fact that you have the ad-libs cookies and the ad-lib mama in this song I could not excuse just the excessive nature, the complete asinine, brain-dead quality of the ad-libs in this song, it almost got me thinking about the history of ad-libs in rap, and it made me question my own, like, are ad-libs even worth it? Like, when did ad-libs start in hip-hop? What are ad-libs? Are ad-libs just bullshit? There's, you had an existential crisis I did. about ad-libs. Listening to this song, Sober, I had an existential crisis about hip-hop. It was really bad, and that's why this song went so high up on my list um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there but just it was just incredible how much this song made me pain right. that's all I'll say about it um, okay so my number three that was your number two right number two yeah so yeah. this is my number two <laughs> good call bro hey thanks bro um, looking out for you man this was actually on your list as well okay um, my number two is bank account oh okay um oh yours was really low really high up on the list yeah it's okay the guitar sample and the rhythm okay was it was uh I didn't enjoy, <laughs> and it was literally 99% of the song, musically, right, so right. it's like, something you don't enjoy, just monotonously re repeating, was, uh, it was like, I almost died by blandness, 
Like it almost choked me. Like I, my tongue dried out. That I almost, she almost drowned. Um, so there's that, and then I'll, and then okay. So you, like, well, what about the lyrics or the vocals? Ow! Wow. He's, okay, it's like it's not even funny. It's just to me it was it was annoyingly apathetic and entitled sounding. Right. Throughout the whole song, and there was no skill or like interest or, or um, use of techniques that make rap some you know interesting or pleasing to hear in terms of like rap rhymes, internal rhymes, alliteration, or like interesting metaphors. It was just really dumb and literally as monotonous as the music just finding a few different ways to say how rich he is and repeating them yeah um yeah i i i i couldn't even laugh at it which is why it's so high on the worst list damn and uh yeah i really don't want to explain there you go see you just said i get the bag that's that's not even on my list because as bad as it is, like, to me, it's just like, oh, that's just ridiculous. That's kind of right, funny. And right. I was not offended or bothered. It was just like, oh, that's just kind of funny and ridiculous. I think I was, I mean, I was offended at, at I Get the Bag because of how brazen it was. I think that, I, I think that, um, that bank account was hot, was lower on my worst list simply because of the fact that the apathy made it more background music for me. Right. Um, whereas <laughs> I Get the Bag was much more egregious. And like was much more out front with what it was doing, which made it more offensive to me. But right. uh, that's that was just me. Um, so my number two, which uh, you might not be surprised that this song is this high up, because I have a bone to pick with this fucking song, is "Slow Hands" on Al Horan. Um, holy shit. <laughs> I've already gone pre- into pretty great detail in the episode when we went over this, so I'm not going to try to rehash it too much. I'm not going to use the angry card because I already used it. But suffice to say, uh, other than the, the general blandness of the song, which I don't really mind all that much, the deal breaker for me is how the vocals are treated. They are just... I, I can't get over it. I listened to it sober. Yeah. I listened to it drunk again. I listened to it sober after that. And I can't. I just can't forgive it, dude. It's so... It sounds so amateur and wrong. You could actually hear... You know how when you go into... Sorry. So I'm going off on it again. I'm sorry. But I gotta explain myself. You know how when you're, like, mixing audio... And when you go into it and you cut off a clip that's like in the middle of a word, you actually hear like an audible click. Uh-huh. I hear that click in this track, which means that whoever mixed it didn't even do like the the microscopic two sec fade two out. millimeter fade out, yeah. and they literally just cut it. Like that is the fucking laziest. Like I like I can't believe the song was released as it was. Like. It just blows my mind, and I, I get that it may be a rhythm thing, it might be something related to that. There's a couple of sections where the, the clipping does line up with the rhythm, so I get that, but especially in the verses, it's just so distracting to me, and it just sounds so unprofessional and just so unfinished that I can't, I can't let it go, you know? It's like, it might be super mundane and boring to other people, but for me, like, I don't know what it is about it, 
It's just like it's offensive to me that someone would call this a finished product and like release it. Like, had you taken that song and not done that treatment to the vocals, it would be totally like a chill vanilla but not as egregious right, it's like pop song that one effect literally has put the song at Seth's second worst song yeah if it, the effect was not there it probably wouldn't even be on the list yeah and it wouldn't it would have gone with like the Shawn Mendes songs of the 40s but for this like it just bore into my skull and I heard it on the radio the other day and I still heard it, and I was like, this is bullshit. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Dial Horrid. You seem like a nice guy. But fucking talk to your producer next time, because something, it's garbage. It's just unlistenable to me. I'm sorry, dude. Right. Anyway, so now we get to our honorable mention sections. Honorable mention. So, Josh, what was your honorable mention for the worst songs? Right. My, so, before we get to the worst song, we do an honorable mention. Yes. And mine is Rake It Up. Oh, okay. Because um, <laughs> okay. this song was low. Like, we ranked it low when we reviewed it, whatever episode it was from. Yeah. And I understand why I ranked it low. <laughs> but there's, like... There's humor and there's a charm to it. Mm. Um, the the vocal, okay. Hopefully this is not offensive to anyone, but the vocals. It sounded like a chubby dude who's like really scared and soft, but he has a front of toughness and coolness. Okay. That he even believes is true. Um, and that was that was Yo Gotti. That was like yeah. the main vocals. In, in spite of his inner insecurities. Um, which make me feel a little sorry for him. There's like an endearing quality about him. Um, and those insecurities are probably the cause of him paying exorbitant amounts of money for sex and friendship. Um, Fair enough, dude. I mean, the song describes itself as a strip club anthem, and that's that's just that's amazing. There you go. And then last, my last comment on it is the. Uh, the incredible Nicki Minaj guest spot. <laughs> I, I, can, I was hoping you'd I cannot that. get over the, the line, thick vagina, gonna smuggle bricks to China. Yep. And and she and she uses this really funny, dry, like, uh, like that really uh, yeah. dry voice. And she has really funny, to- like, deliveries in her tone. Yeah. And she has all these, like, ad libs, like, it's like, what are you doing here? And she even does a little, she throws that in, too. Yep. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's great. I, I would, I would bump that, I would bump that at a party, honestly. Nice. Because I would dance and I would laugh and I would have a good time. Yeah. There you go. That's fair enough. <laughs> cool, man. Well, my honorary mention. Uh, for the worst songs uh, was actually Perfect by Ed Sheeran. Okay. Um, you said a lot of things that I felt about it. Um, to me, it wasn't bad enough to make my bottom five just simply because of how run-of-the-mill it was. Um, but there were certain things that kind of bugged me about it, and this is going to make me sound super, um, I guess, elitist towards different accents, but the way that he pronounced certain words in that song, like, really bugged me, and I know it's his accent, I know that's how he talks, but just the way that he said, the way that he said the word grass, it was gross, it just didn't really, it didn't, it didn't come out in a, in a graceful manner in the delivery, 
Um, it, it always kind of distracted me for, for some reason. And again, like, I don't have anything against that accent. I think it's great. But for whatever reason, the song, it just really stood out to me. Like, it was that hard vowel, you know, and it just didn't blend. Right. It's like, uh, it's sort of like many, many people sort of feel like German is not a very good language for opera. Oh, uh, okay. And, um, it's nothing against their language, it's just like... Like the hard Einstein and Bruce. It's like, yeah, not yeah, yeah. good for, it, for sounding soft or sensual. And Interesting. Uh, very, uh... Yeah. Stern and violent about the language. And, um, and I mean, don't get me wrong, American accents sound, you know, super hokey in certain settings too. So, like, yeah. I don't have anything, I don't even have anything towards American accents because I think they're dumb sometimes. Um, I have a super, as I call it, the stoner draw. I get it. <laughs> so, but I just, you know, it was that. That wasn't even a big thing though. It was just the way that it basically sounded like. You said you're in a middle school prom, you're just doing the slow dance. It was pleasant enough, but it didn't really make enough of an impression, and yet it stood out in its banality where I had to put it as an honorable mention. Right. So, that's all I'll say. I think you said the rest of it for me, so... Now, the exciting part. All right, the I, worst song. The worst song. Can I get a drum roll? worst song. Uh, drum least roll. favorite, I'll say. Yes. Uh, drum roll. Believer by Imagine Dragons. <laughs> I'm not surprised You're at not all. Surprised. I, I not cannot all. get past. Okay. <laughs> Let's break it down. I'm Let's gonna, break it I'm down. gonna start with all the little things that I don't like. Okay. So one, there are claps. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a noise gate on the clap. So that that um that effect that you really don't like with slow hands. Yeah. It's also on the claps. Oh shit. Where it's like I didn't know. it's just like abruptly and unnaturally just it like cuts, cuts it off because of the noise gate. It just it oh. just bothers him to me. And then there's a couple musical motifs that Imagine Dragons do that I, I don't like and they've done before okay. and like they're doing it again, so it's like even more annoying. Is it that? Is it the bass drum? One is the overdone low percussion triplet, which okay. is yeah, either a floor tom or a bass drum. Got it. You know, da, 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 da. I'm just like, mm. oh my god. And then it's da, 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 and you hear this, you know, the snare on the two and four. Right. Um, I just feel like it's overdone. It's uh, ineffective. Um, and then you have uh, a couple moments where they do that. They they uh, hold the beat to drop it. So they hold it. Right. They hold it on beat three, and then they drop it on the next bar, beat three. So it's like. Ooh. God. And I was just like, <laughs> it's. I, I didn't feel any sort of tension or excitement. It just sounded like dumb and, mm. and uh, unoriginal, honestly. Okay. The vocals have that similar, very affected and sincere sound. Okay. Um, there's very vague sense of attitude and confidence, but there's no, right. emo- no emotion, um, no insight or interest in the message to me. No, that's also a little bit in the lyrical content as well. Right. right. So, so the latter part, the lyrical content, is horribly vague. Um, it never answers things like, "He's fed up with the way what things have been." Uh, and so it's just sort of child, ch- childishly rebellious to me. Right. Like, Don't tell me what I can be. Is another line that <clears throat> just comes out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Um, don't know what I can be. I'm the master of my sea, which is kind of a very another stupid, <laughs> vague rhyme. Um, he never right. explains how or why he's broken. 
He doesn't explain okay. why or how or from what he's feeling pain. Okay. He doesn't ever explain what his message is or what his lesson is. And he doesn't explain what he's a believer of. Right. It's. I mean, the lyrics are just... You know what? Just go back and listen to the first analysis I did. <laughs> I don't feel like getting into it. <gasps> Suffice it to say, I really don't like Imagine Dragons, the okay. music I've heard from them. Okay. And I really didn't like this song. I, I actively don't like it. It's like actively... like Not offensive, but just frustrating and like unpleasant. Fair enough, man. <coughs> well, my worst song of the top 40s. Drum roll, please. Oh, look at that. The car alarm went off, dude. Wow, that was good timing. Um, that was so rough. Well, that should, was so I, rough. should I wait for it to end here? No, it's going to be wild. Whose car alarm is that? Dude, come on, man. I'm just trying to do a song review here. I'm still rolling. You gotta... Oh, okay. There, there we go. Thank you. That was... Oh, he's still rolling? Okay. Yeah, you see. Here we go. Okay. My worst song of top 40s, Gucci Gang. Whoa. Straight up. That surprised me. Uh, yeah. It, it. Again, this was a song that I had the <clears> mistake <throat> of trying to re-listen to sober. <laughs> and wow, what a fucking boring, vapid song. Um... Just okay. Well, there's a couple things that I felt like made this song the, the number one worst. Firstly, the fact that in other songs where they had just getting it out of the way right now before I forget it, when other songs used the cell phone sound effect, thank you. Uh, when other songs used that sound effect, the lyric was relating to a phone, right? In right. some way, but in this song, it just fucking happened like left. Left and right, like it didn't matter. There was just a phone noise any second of any given day. It's like he was like, Oh, yeah, it's my thing that I could do well. Look how well I could do it. But you're like, Nah, man, like everybody does it. The other thing, too, which kind of leads back into that, is I feel like this song feels like he's trying to be. It's almost like he's trying to run off of the success of his contemporaries and literally jam as many, like, memes from other hip-hop songs as he can into one song, right? You've got the word Gucci. You've got the repeated words at the beginning. You've got the cell phone ad-libs. You've got just the ad-libs in general. You have the somber beat in the back. You've got the fact that he basically, not to, not to diss outside the music, but the dude has the same fucking hairstyle as Lil Uzi Vert. He's just, he, just to me, this comes off as like the most wannabe, like, player song that you could ever write. It was literally like, he didn't have any ideas, and he was like, you know what, I'm just literally gonna look at the top trends, uh, but not only look at the top trends, but look at like, the most vapid asinine top trends and be like cool i'm gonna do exactly that thing and i'm not gonna do anything original anything unique anything interesting at least with the song with the songs that were in this genre that were similar to this they tried things that were different you know like the 21 Savage song, although I really didn't like it, it did at least attempt to do a little bit of a difference with like the dropout in the chorus 
it tried to do something a little bit different with that guitar line and the way that the 808 was done and the, the way that the vocals were were distributed throughout the song with I Get the Bag it because it featured Migos it had the excuse of doing the Migos flow you get it but then you come to this song and it just it completely falls into the sea of everything that came before it like even if you look at like if you look at Lil Pump as an artist, he literally looks like you went into Photoshop, you took <laughs> fucking everybody that I just listed, you took Yo Gotti, you take Gucci Mane, you take Lil Uzi Vert, you fucking take the one feature from each of their faces that they're known for, and you slap it onto one guy, and that's Lil Pump. Which to me is just completely unforgivable in my book um also the fact that the song also features a super lazy um fade out which the fade out it doesn't even last long enough like in a normal rap song to go through a couple refrains it just fucking goes through like one and a half and then it just drops it out right it's just like not nah, we're done we're just gonna get out of here <laughs> like fuck this it's like the song itself is abandoning ship you know right so to me that's why Gucci Gang, worst song of the top 40s, in right. my opinion. So, that was a little painful. Not too painful, though, right? No, I... Yeah, we made it through. Made it through. And we're going to get on to a, a nicer topic. Yeah, so let's uh, let's pour some more drink here and uh, let's get into the best, because I think that'll be a little bit nicer. Welcome to Intermission. <laughs> Josh, you went first for the worst section, so I think I'm going to go first for the best section, um, because, you know, we like to mix things up here. So, uh, for number five, for the top five best songs of the top 40s, uh, my number five was actually Sorry Not Sorry by Demi, Demi Lovato. Okay. Um... To me, I thought that this was a song... There were a couple of um, really good female singer-songwriter songs that we had on the list. Um, we had um, What About Love by Pink. We had Praying by Kesha. Uh, and then we had this one, which to me was uh, very much on a different level from the other ones. It just... The confidence and the energy was a lot was a lot stronger on this one for me. Um... I thought that the confidence section on the Kesha one was really good, and on the pink one, of course, she has a great voice, but I think the difference was that this song in particular really felt like it was Demi Lovato stepping up her game, like, it felt like she had, she really was gunning for it, and she had something to prove, you know, mm -hmm. um, like, I really felt the hunger that she had in this song, um, which was really cool, you know, like, it really felt like she was doing something that she felt very strongly about, 
Um, even the way that she delivered a lot of those lines was very uh, impassioned, I thought. Um, which I guess is kind of the core of what I'm getting at, is that it wasn't higher in my list because I felt like, again, the actual beat itself, it was good, but it didn't super blow me away. Um, and I think the main reason why is because I think that the chorus was a little bit weak as far as the production and the, and the actual beat went. Um, but everything leading up to the chorus I thought was great. Um, I think if the chorus had, had a little bit more energy, I think that this might have been a, higher, a song that was higher up for me. But just the verses in the pre-chorus and then her vocal performance writing the rest of it um, really was strong and really spoke a lot to me and uh, I really think I really am excited to see what Demi Lovato does in the future because I think that listening to more songs of hers after I heard this song she's got a bunch of really great material out there and um, I'm really excited to see what she does man you know she might be the next uh the next pink or the next uh, big voice that's out there. Mm. So that was my number five. Okay, uh, my number five was "Bad at Love." Oh, nice. Halsey. Cool. Um, the very the intro synth motif I found catchy. I mm. immediately liked it. Um, her vocals had this an, a youthful, passionate quality. Um, there is like mild coarseness at times, more so during the chorus. There's a nice vibrato. Um, she just, like I said earlier, it's important to believe the singer. I, be I believed she meant every word she sang. Totally. Like there was experience and pain and <clears throat> sincerity behind her voice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can also relate to being younger and like when you're almost too concerned with all of the possible or potential romances or relationships in your life. Totally. Um, I felt that the melodies were very um, strong. They fitted very well with the chords, and there was good variety. Um, production was decent. Um, you know, I mean, lyrically, it's a, a little cliche, but I feel like the, the sincerity and the everything else I mentioned sort of trumped it. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, that's number five on my list. I feel my that. Fav my faves. You know, I think that this song, not spoiling too much, a little bit, but this song was actually like, it was like my second, it would have been my second honorable mention. Like, this song, I definitely really liked it. It just barely got edged out on my list, but um, I really liked the song too. Yeah. I really, I actually, I actually enjoyed the lyrical content, and like we said on earlier episodes, how it talked about like different like her being into into girls and dudes like i thought that that perspective especially was really interesting right um so just piggybacking off of that um good times but yeah so for not for my number four and this is probably the most surprising on any of the lists that i wrote but uh my number four fucking charlie pooth with attention no, yeah. Um, that, that was, speaking of almost honorable mentions, that was almost my honorable mention. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was I was really blown away, dude. I, you know, when I saw Charlie Puth's name, again, I was like, oh, it's just gonna be another boring-ass, cliche pop song. But no, like, this song, like, really, like, the bass was fucking groovy. Yeah. The vocals were great. The beat was awesome. The beat actually built up over the choruses, which I also thought was really smart and really, like, a strength of the song. Um, it had a lot of good things going for it. You could literally picture yourself in a nightclub, like, hearing this song. Like, the way that the atmosphere was. It was really cool how it created this vibe. Um, 
the only thing that I would say that actually held this back for me a little bit is I think that Charlie Proof did go to uh, a little bit of his uh, his comfort cliches, as it were, and I think that there were a couple times where he got a little breathy on the vocals, and it kind of <laughs> came across a little silly to me, uh, especially there is the pre-chorus right before the last chorus when he gets very breathy and I wasn't really convinced but then it comes back with like the strongest chorus of the song and it ends really strong um, so for me like attention had a lot going for it which I again just totally shocked me but um, this was one of the few songs that I actually still had stuck in my head like weeks after I heard it which to me was like that's a great sign of a, of a good song is like if you have it stuck in your head and you don't mean it to be stuck in your head that means that's that something within the song is working and it means that something about it is grabbing your attention uh literally so um but um but yeah um but yeah no that was my number four very surprising uh i know we've made fun of charlie booth extensively on this podcast but uh fucking a man you made a good song keep yeah, dude. keep making more like that man it's great so my number four is i fall apart by post malone really um surprised i think that was your least favorite post malone song that was my least favorite post malone um, song I, I have to say, I, part of the reason I I could have gone with almost any of the Post Malone songs, right. and I was kind of just rewarding him on, like, overall, for having multiple songs on the top 40, and every single one mm -hmm. I found interesting and engaging. Totally. I was like, he has to be on the list. So, I, I sort of just chose that, this one, I'll, a little... I'm not sure if it's my favorite. Maybe it is, maybe not, of his songs. <laughs> but I'll explain why I, I like it. Things okay, right. okay. Um, so you got the intro vocals. They sort of sound like Bon Iver. There's, okay. like, there's like this lo-fi room vibe going on. And right. they, they sound very emotional and sincere. I'm going to use those words a lot because, you know, th those are important to me. Yeah, totally. Um, I feel like... Uh, there's like a slow burn, like a slow burn of subtle emotional atmospheric music going on. Yeah. It's like, it keeps you in this mood and it slowly uh, intensifies it. Mm -hmm. um, I think the main vox, or vocals are mm -hmm. intense and impassioned. Um, almost too much. It's almost like over the top at times. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I also, I love the tone of the bass drum. It's like a little higher than usual. Um, okay. And the snare was like some reverb. Like I just liked the percussive sounds. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I liked the tasteful background vocals and synth melodies when they come in and out. Um, I think the lyrics are a little cliche. <laughs> They're not super insightful um, outside of the general painful emotion of being like abandoned and rejected. Sure, yeah. Um, but it, it's not. I feel like it works. You know, it's the song is about being a little mentally unstable. Yeah, falling apart. Right. Um, but yeah, the vibe, music, subtle, all the subtle layers. I feel like there's a good amount of layers and um, like a lot of songs. Part of the reason that they're boring is like. There's, there's no, uh, there's very, there's not a lot of layers and there's not a lot of change. So, in more layered music like this song or even like Michael Jackson's work, there's stereo movement of different instruments. Yeah. And also there's tonal movement. Like the snare might have a different tone between different parts. 
and then so it's like there's a bunch of different parts there's stereo movement there's tonal changes like it had it had sort of a little bit of that going on for it you know there's yeah. a lot to keep you engaged yeah so yeah that's my number four cool man okay so uh my number three was love galore uh there we go SZA featuring travis scott um really really interesting production on this song uh production that i was very much uh just captured by um just really uh really interesting really colorful a lot of cool things going on with like um with bends in the in the synth notes that were happening oh, yeah, yeah. and they're really cool and it created this very interesting soundscape for me um i also really liked sizz's delivery a lot i really thought her delivery was it felt very organic and it came from like a very real place um, I really liked the way that she sang the chorus because it, she could have easily chosen a route where <clears throat> the first half of the second half of the chorus bit uh, repeated, but she actually chose a different vocal styling for each part, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool, and it really uh, added to the organicness and like the, the feeling of it sort of being raw and emotional and off the cuff, which the song was kind of about lyrically. Um, like it was about her, you know. It was a, it was a very um, it was a very um, exposed song for her. I thought like it was a it was yeah. really opening up a lot, especially like again. I think the Travis Scott feature, which I thought was great. I, the, when I listened to it again, it really blended in with with the vibe and what she was doing. Um, Travis Scott's actually always been a very um, he's been a very considerate. Uh, artist on a lot of the features that he's been on, I've noticed. Um, but on this feature, he really blended in almost so much to the point that when I wasn't paying attention to it, I actually missed the line that I originally took sort of an issue with earlier. Um, that being the come inside you line. Um, but when I thought about it more, the way that it was happening the way that the delivery was at first I took an issue with it because I was like whoa that's way too literal but it really it really fit the narrative you know like it really fit the narrative of what was going on within the song and that it was this couple that had this bond that was like very intense um so it was really interesting I really like it made me think a lot you know (laughs) like it really made me think about uh you know, the dynamics of what that relationship would be like, and it really, like, put me in, in that, yeah. uh, in that setting, so for me, I really thought it was a, a very, very emotionally charged, very effective song, for sure. Yeah. Um, alright, so my, my number three, third, uh, most favorite song was That's What I Like. Really? Yeah. That low? I thought it was gonna be higher, dude. That's pretty high, though, number three. That's yeah. So, um, I'll start with what I liked a lot. So, okay, it's almost funny, like the -the over-the-top excitement of some of the (laughs) lyrics. You know, yeah. Sometimes it's like, and it reminded me of like again certain R and B songs where it's like, you almost laugh. Yeah, like like "Sex by the Fire at Night" lines. (laughs) Yeah, Um, totally. You know, this intensely emotional romance sex song. Yeah. Um, I feel like the music is fun. It got me grooving. Um, totally. I wanted to dance. You know, there's like these sort of um, 
really interesting like passing chords and voicings mm -hmm. um, keep you engaged um, I feel like it matched the playful vibe of the vocals the vocal delivery yeah which were great really well well sung um, you know this sort of playful nice just exuberant quality totally um, you know, again, I just, I can't help but smile and chuckle at the, like, who's the fairest mirror line. Yeah, it's like, dude. Say it's us and I'll agree. I'm like, oh, it's funny and sweet. Yeah, totally. Um, I'd say, okay, so what, the reason why it's not higher is that it's in the realm of, like, Michael Jackson territory, mm -hmm. but it's not, like, anywhere near that enjoyable for me. Okay. So it's, like, it's doing, it's, it's doing something very similar to something else that I like more. Okay, so that's one thing. Okay. And then, I I can't, I will say I am slightly bothered by uh, the, um, like, love revolving around money thing. Like, it's kind of, it is sort of tying, like, okay. how, that, she, that she's interested because of, like, all the things he can get her. Sure. And, like, how, you know. Um, and then there's, again, there's, like, the this mild sense of, like, I, I feel weird when he's, like, you know, come over and like do things for me. There's like those lines at the beginning of the song. Right. It's right. like he's doing it in a way that's sort of playful and it's like she's probably totally down and it's like she wants to, you know, it's like they're right. both just like interested. But it's like that and then combined with it, it doing again a similar thing that I like more. That's why it's not quite as high. Okay. But I still love, I still enjoyed that one I love, but I really, I enjoyed the song a lot. Okay. I still do. That's fair. And, um, so much so that I learned the, uh, the chords on guitar. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. shit, dude. Yeah, dude. It's oh, pretty, some pretty sweet chords going on there. I know, they're super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. See, that's, that's using real life applications of things we've learned on this podcast. Yeah. That's cool. Um, tight. So, um, number two. My number two uh, was Humble by Kendrick Lamar. Um, fucking killer production on this song. Oh my god. That, that key, that like, that piano line mixed with that, like, whatever that low synth is happening. Just a fucking unstoppable beat, man. Like, it just plows right through the whole song. Like, whenever it comes in, whenever you get that hint of that, even by it, almost more so by itself, it just really just hits you, like, with this weight. Like, you can feel the weight of those low keys just hitting you, and it's such a cool effect. Um, Kendrick Lamar, of course, his flow is fantastic. Um, he... His lyrics are super interesting and funny. Um, he has a bunch of lines about, like, you know, liking things natural um, and therefore, like, keeping humble and not wanting to get into the excess and start almost telling himself to sit down. Um, I really like the, the ideas and sort of the morality that he grapples with in this song. Yeah. And as an extension, sort of, you know, the rest of that album, sort of what he's talking about. Um, I think this song probably encapsulates that album more so than almost any other track on the whole thing. Um, which is great, because that means I don't have to talk about the rest of the album here. Hey! But, um, no, real talk, though, like, this song is a banger. It's awesome. Um... The only the only reason why it wasn't higher though is just because the nasally way that he delivers these lines in this song was a little too much for me. Um, it was like you added just a little bit too much of a spice, you know. 
Like if he had uh, if he had dialed it back just a little bit, I think that I would have enjoyed it more, and it would have seemed more like a like a cohesive classic banger. I think the nasaliness, although I get what he was doing and I appreciate it, I think it was just a little bit too strong for my liking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, though. Great song, super excited to see it on the top 40. Um, I was surprised that it was there, but I'm really happy it was because that means we got to listen to it and review it, and I really got to analyze it. Um, and it was just a great song. It's a great song to listen to. Whenever it comes on, I always get excited. So, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Um, so, my number two mm-hmm. is Humble. Hey! Humble. There you go. Um,. I'll try to quickly... Sorry that I stole so, all those words there. No, it's not good. I, so, I mean, the song starts off with this, like, cool guitar scratch. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like the low guitar notes at the beginning. Um, and then it, it's like, it, instantly there's this little joke. He's like, nobody pray for me. And he's like, he does this wah sound. And it's just like, <laughs> I like how, I like how, he's a very self-aware and self-critical totally. um, artist. Yeah. Um, okay, just in terms of his, like, playing with language. Yeah. Like, the, the line breaks mid-sentence. So he's like rhyming, like, he'll have like a thought or a sentence. Mm-hmm. And it's like the end of the line is in the middle of it, and he's rhyming with those middle words. Oh, crazy! So he's doing that. So you're keeping this like narrative flow, okay. and then also there's like internal rhymes, multi-syllabic rhymes. There's right. fun metaphors, you know. Right. Um, one of them being, you know, Tetris, you know, sexual, <laughs> yeah. sexual position. Right. right, right. I, I love his vocal tone. It's like makes me laugh with that lift. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, I will say that that's actually the only time that the nasalness actually works yeah, for me in that yeah. song. Like it's hilarious, yeah. and that's like a great like single moment yeah, in that it's, song. It's like there's all these interesting ideas, but there's humor to it as well. Right. I really enjoy. It's it. almost like he sounds like a whiny like rich kid when he says that, you know? Right. So like yeah. it, yeah, that totally works. Um. I like the whole keeping things natural with a prior pro and the girl with the stretch marks, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I share that sentiment. I uh, I prefer, you know, there, there's something unrelatable about, like, quote, like magazines or just, like, yeah, totally. people trying to be, quote-unquote, perfect yeah. to live up to certain standards. It's, like, it's unrelatable and it's, like, not even attractive to me. Right. Um... People so, yeah, should, people like should the, just do what they want to do. Can relate to the natural things he's talking about. And, then, you know, like, you know, getting freaky on someone's mom's couch where it sucks. <laughs> like, uh, you yeah. know. It's like, what? It's funny, and it's like, man, I can relate to that. It's like, you, you know, you're young, you're going over to their house and right. doing what kids do. Um, I like the I like the ambiguity of is in the in the aspect of pride and humble. Like, is he telling himself or critics to be humble? Right, exactly. I love that ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Um, I I overall I feel like he's uh, I, I he's an artist I respect a lot. For sure, I, I like his um, his work a lot. For sure, man. I'm, I'm glad he's successful and he's doing his thing. Me too. I'm glad he's in the top forty. You know, like I'm yeah. glad he's getting he's getting the recognition now. You know. Um, cool. Well, so my honorable mention for the best uh, is actually Mihente. Um, I fucking it's a great song. It's yeah. just a straight up. It's a straight up banger. You just turn it on when you're in a club and you just want to have a good time. And it's just, it's just a, a straight up, 
awesome song. Um, the uh, and like the message behind it is really it's really great. It's just like hey like you're here to dance. I'm here to make music to make you dance. Let's fucking do it. It's a great pair. It's hang out. So um, to me like you know it's just the the quintessential club jam. Um, the only thing that sort of took away from it for me is that. The song in general to me is, uh, like, chord-wise, it is kind of literally one one note for yeah, me. Like, yeah. it kind of just repeats the same refrain. What it does, though, which is smart, is that it, it finds ways to pull out instruments, drop back in instruments to kind of emphasize parts. It adds in that, like, that fun kind of, like, cymbal-sounding metallic kind of, like, clangy thing. So... It has a lot going for it, for sure, and it's really fun. It's just a straight-up, like, you don't even need to think about it. You just get, go up and dance kind of song. Um, and I was excited to see that, you know, and I actually think it worked better than Despacito, in my opinion. Um, I think the Despacito was, it almost, like, went with that island vibe a little bit harder, which is fine, but I think that Mi Gente to Me spoke just a little bit more to just, like, the straight-up, just, like, let's have a dance party. It wasn't trying to be sensual. It wasn't trying to, it wasn't trying to bang anybody, it was just like, hey, you're cool and you can dance, come on up here, let's dance, <laughs> like, that's literally all it was, Great. so to me, I appreciated that, so that was why it was my honorable mention, mm-hmm. um, so my honorable mention is Mikente. Hey! We matched matched at number two. Damn, there you go. I I cannot add any more to what you said. Okay. It's, uh, so there you go. It's just a fun song, dude. Just go party, go bang. (laughs) Not, well, okay, that came out wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Go listen to a banger? Is that what you were trying to say? Yeah, listen to a banger. There you go. Go banging at the club. Banging at the club. Uh, You know, it's like, it's not a song that you would just like, actively listen to or listen to other in another in any other situation other than just sort of having time and right. he was fun and nice people right and, uh, yeah so there you go totally man all about that yeah all about me hente for sure uh jay balvin wherever you are i'm i'm very happy that you brought a little bit of just honest purity to the summer's jams really was great to see that so we salute you um now my number one pick. <laughs> Your number one pick. Number one Here pick. Drum roll. No alarms this time. My number one pick is that's what I like. All right. For sure. Um, I just, you know what it is? Is every time I listen to the song, just a little light turns on. <laughs> I'm just like, it's time to jam. Like, yeah. It's just yeah. the thing that I love about it is that it's it's super unapologetic and it doesn't try to be anything else than what it is. You know, it's super to me like it reads as being like very honest. It it plays all of its cards just straight up. It's just like yeah. I'm here to hang out. I'm here to bone, but, like, I'm also here because you deserve it. I'm here to give you whatever you want. Let's hang out. Let's, like, you know... I'm here to give these things to you because you are cool and I feel like you deserve it. And I have these things, so, like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, You know, it's... To me, it feels like a very, like, forward... uh, I don't know. I was going to say forward thinking, but not quite, because it's basically doing, like you said, it's kind of adhering to a lot of the, I have a lot of money, so that's cool. But um, to me, like, the way, the way that it's delivery 
is executed is in such a way that it just really it's this kind of like it's kind of like shiny-eyed wonderment of the world you know <laughs> like yeah. that's what it feels like to me like it yeah. feels like this is a song where it's like anything is possible we can do anything like as long as we're together i have the the necessary things to make you happy you have the necessary things to make me happy and like that's great and like you know and it, it's the, the song is in such a way where like lyrically it is very tongue-in-cheek you know like the way he's yeah, talking about it uh, which i also appreciate and like the whole like pop and drop it thing at the beginning I feel like, I almost feel like that was just a verse where, like, he wasn't sure what else to put there, and so that's just what he used. Yeah. Um, which I will, I will give you that. I will say that that's a little bit of a, of a slash against it. Uh, but honestly, dude, like, the rest of it, I was totally, like, if it was trying to sucker me in, I was fully suckered, you know? I was suckered, yeah. Like, I was suckered in. like, the production on it is awesome and bright and shiny. Like, the instrumentation is awesome, and it's just, ha it has so many things going in it. Yeah. And that was what sort of reminded me of MJ, is just, like, the amount of things that are happening that are all working towards a solid goal yeah. in the song. It's, like, it's all super cohesive. It works in a way where everything is, like, working towards that same goal, which is, like, yeah. to make this awesome pop song. Um, yeah. And it just it just really clicked with me, you know? Like, it really worked well. Like you were saying, um, the chord changes were super interesting and super, like, unique and cool, and I felt like they were also very reminiscent of MJ, um, especially yeah. in that pre-chorus and in the bridge. A lot yeah. of those were very reminiscent of, like, that 80s, like, classic golden age of pop sound and um again i think that because this was such like a this is bruno mars seeing like oh i i should do funk and then just embracing it like 200 percent and just fucking going for it yeah and like this proves to me that like when bruno mars finds a genre that he wants to do he can do it to like its maximum ability you know and I'm yeah. glad I'm glad that that the funk R&B side of it is what he chose because um, he easily could have gone with like you know the Jason Mraz side which he did with his earlier stuff yeah but that just wasn't it just wasn't utilizing all of his skill set you know right and this is a song where like he gets to show off his vocals he gets to show off his band he gets to show off, like, everything that he has. And so, to me, like, this is a perfect encapsulation of not only an artist, but also, like, what, like, where we are in technology and music, like, what we're capable of producing, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just, again, like, when we listened to the song in the podcast, I was like, holy shit, what is this? Like, this mm -hmm. is so different from anything else we've heard. And it still sticks with me. And, yeah. um... You know, it just really, it just really stuck out as far as being like it's something that is familiar and yet is completely different from what anybody else is doing. Amazingly, like mm. I'm shocked that not, that more people aren't doing this kind of music because it is so like pure and fun, and you don't have to attach anything else to it. You know, like so many of the hip hop artists out there are attaching like wealth to happiness, like you said, mm -hmm. but this is doing it in a way that's so much like more fun. And not taking itself as seriously. Yeah, I think I think the love and the I think that's the relationship is more prominent. Than yeah, the, than the money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't know. I mean, I could go on longer, but I'll just leave it there. Um, but really, like, I feel like the song was pretty much 
Like, when I was making my list, I'm like, this song's definitely number one. Like, right. there was no question in my mind, uh, at least for me anyway, like, where this was going to be in my list, so. Hmm. But, so, for me, for me, I had a similar thought. I was like, this almost was just, like, the instant quick, this has got to be number one. Really? But I thought about it more, and I was like, I edged out Humble over it. Okay. And then I re-listened to another song I really liked. Which ended up being my number one. I'm subtly doing the drum roll. So my number one is Love Galore. Wow, okay. Yeah. Cool, man. I've, speaking of, like, when you're talking about having every single element work towards one uh, Mm -hmm. goal, Mm -hmm. I felt like this song did it the best. Cool. Um, So, like, in the beginning, there's sparse music. It's mostly just a bass line. Right. I feel like the bass line... um, Melodically, it matches like the overall. It matches the overall sort of sweet, sad, and borderline apathetic vibe of the lyrics. Yeah, and um, her voice perfectly encap- like captures that those feelings. Totally, I love the tone of her voice. I think it's very emotive. Um, the melodies are interesting, and there's variety. There is el- there's different percussive elements that are interesting and in keeping things. Um, sort of held together I guess mm-hmm. um, I like these like har- these harmony vocals come in on like one word just like every now and again gives one word this extra emphasis yeah, yeah which is I think an effective tool to highlight a word um, uh, I love the you're talking about like these weird sort of bending notes yeah, yeah. I, to me it's like VHS 80s pitch warbling sense. yeah totally I love totally. that I think it adds to the like unsettled sweet sad apathy um, cause the overall song, it's like sort of hookup culture, but this yearning for more. And then there's right. like this feeling and connection that happens between them. Um, <coughs> I feel like one, one line that I thought was an interesting way of, um, pointing that out was she, she's talking about spilled milk and she's like, give me a towel, give me a Valium. I feel like that's a very succinct mm. way of saying, of describing like the way of coping with you know, not wanting to feel too much, but you're starting to feel things and you're trying to block it out and get over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Travis Scott was great. I, 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 as I said before, I feel like the, you know, uh, I don't know why I feel weird saying, but like the come inside me line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come inside you. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was, it's sort of graphic, but it's a very, I like that it's, it's cutting away all the bullshit and all the abstract words and yeah. it's like, Totally. Giving you a very physical, detailed way of saying, like, the ways in which we we get bonded and have these connections to people. Yeah, um, totally. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, and then an- another line was, he uses the word POV, which is playing on something more sexual and, like, filming the sex. Right, But it's, right. it's also playing on point of view, like, having wanting a better understanding of her like emotional or like actual point of view about life like wanting a connection beyond just the physical right so that was another interesting line i found and then yeah totally the very end i really love the grandma insert at the end yeah no me too which is like if you don't say something speak up for yourself or you know they'll think you're stupid i like that because i guess i could probably relate to you know uh Feeling or actually being misunderstood if you're too shy or you don't express yourself. Right. You know? Especially in a relationship. Yeah. And, and just in general or in a relationship. And that's an, an important, simple advice from her grandma. Um, 
and I could go on, but I, I'll stop there. And uh, so, right. yeah, Love Galore takes the cake for me. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, well, hey, there you go. That's our that's our top five, bottom five. Um, and I think we're done with this, Andre. So I think that means the episode's done, too. There you go. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening to us throughout all these episodes. Um, stay tuned next week. We're going to cover more stuff. We're going to get back into the top 40. We're going we're gonna to see what we got, because I know there's more songs that are coming out now. So we're going to get back into it. Um, but yeah, until then, um, you know, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Let us know what were your favorite songs that we've done on this podcast so far. Um, did you agree with us? Did you disagree with us? If you think we're full of shit, that's fine. Just let us know. Uh, we, we would be happy to talk it out with you. Uh, um, but anyway, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for, for sticking with us. And uh, I'm Seth. I'm Josh. And uh, we're 40s on 40s. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Later, guys. Much love. Much love. 40s.